Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is time for end of week news and notes. So for that, we bring in our friend who's the co-founder over at U Stadium, Mr. Nicholas Spano. Nick, what's up, brother? You know, the year is over and yet the news continues to churn on. <laughs> I don't know if it's like if it's just that they they use us because we're all gluttons for for punishment and Jets <laughs> news, but it works. So it's out there and we'll talk about it, I guess. So let's talk about this article by Jeff Howe and Zach Rosenblatt in The Athletic, and we'll get to the offensive coordinator search in a bit. But first, the guy that the Jets no longer have is the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur. According to Zach Rosenblatt and Jeff Howe, they had over a dozen sources, players, coaches, people affiliated with the team. So they did their best to cross-section people that weren't necessarily going to be loyal to one camp. Best I could tell, there was only one on-record source, though, and that was Calvin Jackson, who spent some time with the Jets in training camp and I believe was on the practice squad at one point. The rest of the people that were involved in this article remained anonymous, and that's understandable because especially if they're still with the organization, they're not going to want to be on record talking about the dirty laundry. But essentially what it boiled down to here is that Mike LaFleur frustrated a lot of the players. And you and I talked about this, Nick. Woody Johnson pays a lot of attention to what the players say and player feedback. That matters to him. And so when Elijah Moore, according to this article, at one point tells the entire locker room with the Packers that he's pissed off and that he's questioning his future with the team. And a couple days later at practice, he gets to the point where he tells Mike LaFleur to go F himself and tells him he sucks. Then he gets sent home. And then later that night requests a trade when Denzel Mims is requesting a trade. And then all the stuff with Zach Wilson, of course, you know that that's not going to look good to upper management, including Woody Johnson. The problem with Zach Wilson and Mike LaFleur essentially boils down to this. Mike LaFleur at a certain point just got tired of dumbing down the playbook and was frustrated with the fact that Zach Wilson wasn't making the kind of progress that he wanted. Zach Wilson was doing his best, but clearly he just wasn't able to function within what Mike LaFleur wanted. And Mike LaFleur and apparently some of the players were relieved when Zach Wilson got benched and they were able to go to Mike White. But ultimately, what stood out to me here 
is that whatever you think of Zach Wilson, and look, it's very possible that no matter what was done with him, he wasn't going to be good because obviously we don't know if the coaching was the X factor here. But what we can say based on what was said in this article, and Nick, you and I have talked about this, is that Mike LaFleur has a certain way that he likes to do things. And yeah, he did simplify the playbook with Rob Calabrese. But as Steve Young mentions in this article, Zach Wilson is somebody who needed more of a big brother, somebody to look up to, somebody who is going to put his hand on his shoulder and say, Zach, I know we're having trouble here, but don't worry. We'll find a way to get this done. We'll work together. We'll figure it out. Unfortunately, Mike LaFleur was not that guy. Mike LaFleur was a guy who was a little bit distant. He was a guy that was really more, in the end, about tough love, and that's not what Zach Wilson needed. And I talked about this on Twitter, and I've used this example a lot before. People will talk about how Phil Jackson constantly went into good situations as a coach. Obviously, with the Bulls, he had Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, with the Lakers, Shaq, and Kobe Bryant. But one thing he was the master of was figuring out how to manage people's psychology. And so if you go back to what happened with the Lakers, he was able to get the best out of Shaq and Kobe, keep them from killing each other, but also knew exactly which buttons to push. And he was always very hard on Shaq, even in front of other people. But with Kobe, he was a much softer touch. And in his book, he elaborated on it. He said, look, Shaq was from a military family. He was used to that kind of discipline. He was used to being called out in front of other people. It didn't phase him. With Kobe, it was a different story because Kobe was from a family with a father who played professional basketball. He'd grown up in Europe. He'd been all over the place. He wasn't used to having people be that direct and that tough with him, especially in front of other people. So it had to be done differently. The good coaches figure this out. They understand that each individual person is different and each individual person requires a different approach. Mike LaFleur clearly didn't understand that. And it really strained the relationship between him and Zach Wilson to the point where he wanted another quarterback and Zach Wilson felt very distrustful of Mike LaFleur. To Salah's credit, he comes off as somebody who did his best to calm all the tensions. In the end, it wasn't a workable situation and the Jets lost six games. But he does seem to be somebody who understands that being a head coach means trying to juggle a lot of different balls at the same time. And while the results in the end weren't good enough because they went 7-10, and 10, and as I said, they lost their last six games, there is hope that Robert Sala maybe can turn things around if they can change a couple of things here in the offseason. But one thing that you do have to wonder about is the fact that Sala seemed very resistant to make a move at offensive coordinator, even after everything we said with the strained relationship with the players and the fact that it appeared he wasn't on the same page, not just with Zach Wilson, Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore, but also Garrett Wilson, who we noted at the end of the season said it looked like other teams knew exactly what they were going to do before they did it. As I said before, you could absolutely make a case for keeping Michael LaFleur because you could say he was hampered with really bad quarterback play. He's still growing into the job. You don't know exactly what you're going to get. You want to stay the course and you don't want to handicap Robert Sala. By the way, to that point, it doesn't sound like Woody Johnson directly ordered Mike LaFleur's firing. It seems like he sat down with Douglas and Sala. They mapped out a plan. It was known that they all agreed that there had to be changes on the offensive side of the ball. But it appears that in the end, it was Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, as uncomfortable as it was for Sala, agreeing that maybe it was better for LaFleur to move on because it was probably inevitable that he was going to be gone at some point. So 
a lot to digest here from this article. It was well-researched. It was well-written. So kudos to both Jeff Howe and Zach Rosenblatt for that. Nick, nothing startling here, although it was interesting to hear the exact words that Elijah Moore had for Mike LaFleur when that blow-up happened after the Green Bay game. Other than that, though, nothing completely surprising here in this article. Just kind of laying out a lot of things right out there for us to see for sure that we mostly suspect. Yeah, a lot to to go through. And uh, I found the I found what Elijah Moore said to be really funny. Um, even though I'm sure a man of God should not be using that kind of language, but that's for another day. Um, yeah, it's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that we we've touched on, and, and not just us, but a lot of fans just seeing it within the. Uh, the social media world and just chatting with, with fans about the team. Obviously it's um, Zach Wilson's terrible and he couldn't cut it. Uh, Michael floor didn't want Zach Wilson. Didn't want to play him. Would rather have someone like Joe Flacco, Josh Johnson or um, Mike white run the offense. And it was clear. You could just tell by how the offense moved and how he opened it up and um, put more on their plate. And Robert Sala is, you know, is a good guy. You know, he's just a he's good with the players. He kind of the good thing, like you mentioned, is he shows that he can somewhat control the room in a sense. Um, the fact that this kind of didn't get out uh, throughout the season, um, but he's probably a little too loyal to his to a fault. But fortunately, they were able to at least recognize, look, this LaFleur thing wasn't going to work. How that went down, you know, I'm sure there's going to be different sources saying different things. And at the end of the day, who, who really cares? It, it happened and, and it was the right thing, I think. LaFleur needs to go. I think Zach Wilson needs to go, and the Jets need to completely empty out that offensive or quarterback room of coaches and players. So hopefully within the next few weeks we find out that the Jets are able to land one of these veterans and, um, you know, it won't be so much on a rookie play caller and a year two play caller, a rookie quarterback slash year two quarterback, and them just not seeing eye to eye and, you know, not really knowing what kind of character or what kind of person the quarterback that you just drafted is and how you have to coach him. I mean, that's a little bit alarming because you probably should have found that out in your, you know, scouting process, <laughs> you know, speaking to people, what kind of, what kind of learner and what kind of practice player and what kind of personalities does this kid have? Who should we align to coach with this guy? You know, so that's kind of, you know, you want to, you want to fit, you want to fit with what's in your room. You got to find who, who can coach this guy, what kind of style. Uh, do you have to be a little bit harder on this guy? Is he somebody who needs a tough love? Is he somebody who uh, answers better to soft, you know, maybe some warm milk and some cookies in the film room? It depends on, you know, who, who do you have? And the Jets didn't know in the offensive coordinator or the quarterback, and, and that was ultimately the issue that kind of uh, befuddled this team this year, right? Like, that was the, the glaring weakness. You can nitpick about the defense all you want. You can, uh, you know, could crap on Braden Man all you want, but ultimately it was the quarterback slash offensive coordinator, and um, you know they they found or came to the right decision that they had to move on from the coordinator. Hopefully they do the same with the quarterback, and in a couple of weeks we can kind of put this all to bed and, and figure out how can this team you know best put a an offense together that belongs in twenty twenties, not the nineteen twenties. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick, one of the veterans that we've been talking about as a possibility for the Jets, but a very long shot, is Lamar Jackson. And we know what's been happening on social media with him. He's been dropping hints 
Today, Greg Roman was let go as the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. John Harbaugh reiterated that the organization is 200% committed to Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. I saw a lot of people once Roman was relieved of his duties saying that maybe Roman could come to the Jets and bring Lamar Jackson with him. I think part of the reason Roman was let go is because there was a feeling that Roman's offense was holding Lamar Jackson back. There are no guarantees that Lamar Jackson is back with the Ravens. If they decide to pay him, I think there's very little doubt he will be back. And I do ultimately believe they will pay him. They'll certainly franchise tag him. They're not going to let him just go anywhere. But I will say this. Even if the Ravens decide to trade Lamar Jackson, which, again, I do not think they will, but if they do, I find it very difficult to believe that they would trade him to a team in the AFC that could be a playoff competitor because the Ravens are going to be in a position where they're going to be fighting for the playoffs every year. They do not want to hand Lamar Jackson, their star quarterback, to a team that could be a playoff team and potentially knock them out of the playoffs themselves. And then you also get to the next part of it, which is if they don't have Lamar Jackson, who do they have? They don't have an answer for that. This is a guy who is their superstar quarterback, the face of the franchise. So I don't think that it guarantees that Lamar Jackson is back, but I do think that it strengthens the likelihood that he's going to be back. I've always believed he would be in Baltimore going forward. This made me think that even more so. And again, even if he does get traded at some point, I can't see why they would trade him to a competitor in the AFC. Yeah, today today kind of put all that to bed, in my opinion, too. I think it, this was a, you know, if you take if you think of this as like a tug of war, a negotiation, right? This was uh, this was basically the Ravens, you know, loosening up the rope a little bit and just saying, hey, we're we're going to do what's right. We we know how important you are. We just lost a playoff game where. Um, honestly, if he played, they probably win that game. Not that Lamar is this great playoff quarterback anyway. You know, we could have that discussion, I'm sure, down the line about uh, the type of quarterback Lamar is and if he's even worth the draft picks and money they would take to get him. But for the sake of today and the conversation that happened with the Ravens, to me it seemed like <clears throat> they made a concession and said, look, Lamar, we're choosing you over the, the coordinator. Uh, Lamar even had a tweet, like a quote tweet, saying thank you to somebody saying that Lamar – can run a pro style offense and that was <clears throat> clearly a shot not a shot or maybe just a a comment towards the greg roman um you know they could they made a similar uh comment that the jets did right he's going to look for future or other opportunities um basically they just said hey we're going to move on from you we're not going to keep you for the last year of your deal we want to try and bring in and make lamar happy and ultimately it comes down are they going to meet his contract demands that's what it comes down to if if they don't and it gets ugly, they'll franchise tag him, and then it'll be on Lamar to see how ugly he wants to make it. Because it's not that ugly yet, the, the deleting of a Twitter profile picture and, um, <clears throat> you know, just not not being this rah-rah Ravens guy. It's not – it could get uglier. Um, but right now it just seems like the Ravens are, are going to take care of him. They're one of the best organizations in football over the past two decades – um, they're going to make the right decision, in my opinion, whether that is trading him for multiple, multiple first round picks um, or finding a, a contract that works for both sides. I, I ultimately trust that the Ravens are going to make the right decision. Um, and I think that's going to be paying him probably not what he thinks he's going to get, but um, pretty close to it because they know he he is super talented. He's such a huge part of what they do. 
Um, but I think for Jet fans, it's probably in your best interest emotionally because I know we tend to get tied up and, and really just focus on, uh, you know, and obsess about player X that becomes somewhat available or if he sends out a tweet that you think means he wants to go somewhere else and then Jet fans start going crazy with changing their, their avatars to Lamar pictures. Um, I would say focus your energy elsewhere. I just don't, like you mentioned, even if Lamar was to become available, I just think that Atlanta Falcons deal would have been something that that happened more than um, any kind of Jets deal. So I just don't see Lamar ending up anywhere near the Jets. Any of those teams in the AFC South, Nick, because remember, I'm sure that Lamar Jackson would like to win, but he wants his money, and I don't begrudge him that. He should want his money. So if somebody like David Tepper steps up with a big offer for the Ravens and a lot of money for Lamar Jackson in the event that the Ravens decide to move on from Lamar Jackson because, as you said, Lamar makes it so ugly that they have to do it or they feel like they have to do it, I would imagine that a deal from the Panthers, the Falcons, the Saints, the Bucks, somebody like that, even the Commanders, would be much more likely to happen than anything with the Jets because it just doesn't make any sense to trade him to a team that you would have to compete against for a playoff spot. And to that end, by the way, Nick, if the Jets are going to attract a veteran quarterback who is a quality starter, they'll probably need to do something about the offensive coordinator position before that. And right now, the list of offensive coordinator candidates is not great. Nathaniel Hackett, the former head coach of the Broncos, the latest interview with the New York Jets. He, of course, was fired less than one season into his tenure in Denver. I couldn't even believe how bad Russell Wilson was under him. I'm not saying it's all Nathaniel Hackett's fault, but when you're a quarterback guy, that doesn't reflect well on you. He, of course, was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers before that. In Jacksonville, that's where he overlapped with Robert Sala. So he was the last guy to interview Marcus Brady, the former offensive coordinator for the Colts. Remember, when he was with the Colts, while he was the offensive coordinator, Frank Wright called the plays. Marcus Brady's play-calling experience came when he was in the CFL. Daryl Bevel has passed on the opportunity to interview for this job. He was a bit of a controversial character as well, a seasoned offensive coordinator, but somebody who didn't have the best results in his last two stops in Jacksonville and Detroit. Nick Cayley, the Patriots tight ends coach, who's also going to interview for the Patriots offensive coordinator position. I don't really like that one. He has zero play calling experience, zero experience handling quarterbacks, and he couldn't even beat out Matt Patricia for the offensive coordinator job last year. So not the best. Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, he's done some good work there with Jalen Hurts, but he doesn't have NFL play calling experience. Kevin Petullo, the passing game coordinator for the Eagles, similar story there. So if you fired Michael LaFleur, who was inexperienced, You'd figure that you want to hire somebody with some experience who has a proven track record. And the only guy that they've interviewed that has anything resembling that so far is Nathaniel Hackett. And I'm pretty sure Jets fans would be very upset if he was the choice based on what happened in Denver last year. Nick, a couple of other names that people have brought up, and I haven't heard anything about the Jets requesting interviews with them yet. Todd Monken, University of Georgia two straight national championships, helped Stetson Bennett become a Heisman Trophy finalist at the University of Georgia. Jets ownership, or at least Christopher Johnson, loved Monken when he interviewed here in 2019. He was the runner-up for the job that Adam Gase eventually got. And so Monken made a very positive impression. But of course, it wasn't to be with him coming in here in 2019. Could the story be different 
in 2023 if the Jets reached out to him and offered to give him an enormous amount of money. According to some insiders, there's buzz that Monken has gotten some interest from NFL teams. I was curious if you've heard anything about that. And then Greg Olson, we talked about him, senior offensive assistant for the Rams. Offensive coordinator would be a step up. I haven't heard anything about the Jets requesting permission to talk with him. He has ties to Derek Carr, so that would make sense if the Jets are looking to pursue Derek Carr at some point. But one thing we should talk about, Nick, is the fact that without a quarterback and with the coach and the general manager potentially on the hot seat if the team doesn't make the playoffs in 2023, Woody Johnson said that there will be no playoff mandate, but we all know the reality of the situation. This is going to be a tough sell to a seasoned offensive coordinator who has options. Yeah, for sure. And and Monken is somebody who I I definitely assume the Jets reach out to as multiple teams have. Um, You now have, I think, up up to eight. What's it? Eight teams are looking for offensive coordinators. So um, the timing for this for the Jets isn't great. You know, usually that number is probably within, you know, three or four, if that. But for whatever reason, it seems like more coordinators are getting fired than head coaches this year. Um, so, you know, Monken would be a tough sell. I did see a report saying a, a reunion back in Tampa is possible. I don't know why. It just seems like that that's kind of that Tampa thing, a circle in the drain. Brady's going to be out. Do you really want to pin your, you know, you really want to hit your wagon to Todd Bowles? Um, <laughs> I know I wouldn't, uh, but who, who knows? I mean, maybe a different offer comes along, but I'm, I'm assuming the Jets reached out to Monken, especially knowing that Woody Johnson and, and, and the Jets front office were, were big fans of his um, in the interview press. It's probably not as big a fan as you, as I know you have a fat head of Todd Monken hanging above your bed, but um, <laughs> he would be the slam dunk hire, in my opinion. I, I, it, it doesn't matter what quarterback you would bring in. I think he could work with either one of them. He's not, as we just saw with the past offensive coordinator, a, a slave to the scheme. You know, he, he makes it work with whatever he really has. And yeah, he has his, his preferences, but um, I think Monken's a, a guy that would, would be would work wonders for the Jets. But there's going to be obviously other suitors as well, and then he can always just go back to Georgia and collect two mil and coach his son uh, eventually. <clears throat> um, you know, I think it seems to me, and just seeing how the Jets are doing it this week, they're still kind of in the request stage, and they're most likely also waiting for some teams in the playoffs. So they're slow playing this a bit and. Now, you know, the tinfoil hats, like like myself, I'm not casting judgment on anybody because I, I do it more than anybody. I'm certainly a conspiracist um, in more ways than one, not just sports. But um, I think you can you can maybe say they're waiting out this quarterback situation, right? Does Aaron Rodgers say something on McAfee or do the Jets talk to, you know, the, you obviously you have the Matt LaFleur, Robert Sala connection and, I know the Packers really want to see what they have in Jordan Love, and they're not ready to just let him walk for nothing. They've invested too much into him. Um, they've seen a lot of growth. So I don't know if they're almost secretly rooting for Rodgers to either retire or want to go somewhere else. I know that the the burning desire for him to return isn't what it was last year. And I don't know if that's something they saw. I don't know if that's love, or I don't know if that's the fact that they, they, they owe him $60 million. Um, but I do know that Rodgers this year is way more of a possibility to be moved or to move than it was last year. Uh, um, so do they wait that out? And do they wait this car thing out? And, and I spoke with somebody in Carr's camp about you know where he wants to play. 
Um, and I actually jotted it down because it was an interesting but also not interesting quote. And I do know that the Raiders, and obviously they're not in much of a position of power, they would take a third-round pick this year and they'd trade him and be happy with it. Um, as for a quote from directly from Carr's camp, we'll see what God has in store. He wants to win, bro. He legit doesn't care where it is or what color they are, all I can say. So it doesn't – you know, if a team with a situation – where he feels he can win is is offering that pick or you know if he gets cut and is offering a contract doesn't seem like he's going to be a stickler about where he goes um so yeah it could be saying that publicly and then internally they're they got you know the whiteboard up and saying all right not here not here not here but publicly that was what was told to me so i i I just find it interesting that they're not even it doesn't seem like they're anywhere close to the offensive coordinator situation and does that have to do with the fact that a lot of teams are in the pool too, and maybe some some guys have turned it down? I do know that they have interest in um, talking to Eric Bieniemy and Frank Reich, and those obviously haven't happened yet. Um, they can speak to Reich if they want right now, but I was told that Reich is focusing on trying to land a head coaching job. So it seems like he's not going to go the Doug Peterson route and sit out. Where I think I don't know if I was talking with you, Scott, about that, where it was um, Reich was going to try and sit out and just kind of. Uh, you know, do go like Doug did and, and come back next year and try and get a job. It seems like he's, you know, he, he wants to get back in there. So maybe he will take an OC job. Now that the Charger one opened up, I would assume he would take that one over the uh, the Jet one if it became available. So I would say Reich is an extreme long shot. Um, unless, you know, someone, maybe the Chargers decide to go a different route and, you know, he doesn't like any other OC jobs, but I would say he's a long shot. And the enemy is getting some... His contract expires, so you don't. I don't believe you have to uh, request him. I, I got to check on that actually, because they're technically still in the playoffs, and his contract hasn't expired because they haven't lost. So maybe you still do have to request him, but I don't think he's going to. He could take a somewhat of a lateral move because he doesn't have that contract. Whereas if like you wanted to talk to a an OC on another team, you'd have to request it because. Um, you know, they're still under contract and, and it would be a lateral move if, if someone were to do that. So um, I do know those are two names. And, and, and I know Joe Brady is a the name they want to talk to. Obviously, the Bills are still in the playoffs. Um, and the, the one that's interesting is, is the Greg Olson one because I, I know that they do want to talk to him and they do like him, but there's nothing prohibiting them to do that. Uh, maybe he's still trying to see what's going on with the Rams. I know that coaching staff is still in flux with who's coming back. Um, so I think there's just a lot of balls out there in, in different courts, um, and they're kind of waiting for one maybe to go their way. But, I mean, you can't be thrilled with the the names you've seen so far. I mean, I obviously have the first batch of guys who are all inexperienced guys, and then you get the Hackett one, which I'm not as disgusted with as a lot of fans because I could separate the fact that he was a an, an miserable head coach, um, even worse than some of the bad ones we've hired the past few years. As an OC, you know, he's you don't love it, and he doesn't have too, too much experience. Obviously, he didn't call plays with the Packers, but he's done some nice things with certain guys elsewhere, you know, in other spots. And some guys are players around the league are, are, you know, fans of his. So I don't, I don't hate it as much. And if it has, and and I don't think it has much to do with Rodgers, because at the end of the day, I don't think Rodgers cares about Nathaniel Hackett or not. He could find, you know, Nathaniel Hackett in, in one of his, you know, (laughs) it's going to say something pretty bad for for the show, but I'll keep it PG in one of his um, trips, if you will, uh, around the world. um, You can find a Nathaniel Hackett anywhere. It's not like this guy's any, anything special, but if it has even 
2% of an influence it's worth kind of at least talking to him about. So they're not anywhere close to a hire yet, and I still think there's more names to come. Nick Spano, co-founder of U Stadium, thanks so much for coming on and talking about the end-of-week news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. For those that haven't checked out U Stadium yet, you're missing out because you could take advantage of the takes feature, and when you use the takes feature, guess what? You could win money without risking any of your own, and what could be better than that, right, Nick? Yeah, man, I'm telling you, last week we had some some big-time you know, playoff, uh, basically free money, essentially. We, we had a a deal where we 5 x your deposit if Josh Allen threw or ran for a touchdown. It's a basic, unless he, on the first play of the game or the first draft of the game, got knocked out, um, you're, you're guaranteed to get that 5X. So you deposit 100 bucks, you're getting 500, po- 500 bucks base, you know, based in points. And, um, you know, we, we got some really fun stuff for the playoffs. So check out the U Stadium app, download it. Uh, if you haven't deposited or if you haven't even tried takes out yet, just DM me at U Stadium. I'll get you started with some free points to go in there and um, get you all set up. But it's a really cool feature for you to earn some money based on your sports prediction. So, if again, you think Derek Carr is the guy for the Jets, I actually put that take up a few weeks ago. So it's up there. You can even join it instead of having to create your own. Just join my take. Agree on it or disagree. Wager your points. And then based on the outcome, if he becomes a Jet or not, points are awarded to the winning side. And uh, you can cash those out. So it's a really cool feature. Make sure you check out the takes feature over at U Stadium. Check out playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome all 22 breakdowns up on our channel. So make sure that you watch them and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt. The Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there. Tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.